Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. let us come to a time of confession. Let us pray. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you. 
for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We've ignored the pain of the world. We've passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. God, in your great mercy, forgive us our sins and free us from selfishness that we may choose your will and obey your commandments through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let us now pray silently. Hear the good news. Through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are loved, called to love. Forgiven, called to forgive. Let us live in peace with God and with one another. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Good morning to all my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Leslie Beard. I hope all of you are well during these troubling times. You can find me on the back lawn at Downtown Church in one of the Gamecock chairs. I am well, finished my time working with the 2020 Census. I now have more time being lazy and working around the house. I am looking forward to when we all can gather inside where it is warm. I know that each and every one of you are working hard to do their part to end this pandemic. Go in peace. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you soon. continued today in our sermon series on the book of Habakkuk during the season of Advent. I'm going to be reading chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, if you want to follow along with me in your Bible. Listen now for God's word. What use is an idol? 
I mean, once its maker has shaped it, a cast image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in what has been made, though the product is only an idol that cannot speak. Alas, for you who say to the wood, wake up, or to the silent stone, rouse yourself, can it teach? See, it is gold and silver plated, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is, Can It Teach? Can It Teach? One of the questions I like to ask people is this. If you could uninvent one thing, what would it be? I've heard all kinds of answers crown molding, the Keurig machine, obnoxious Christmas decorations, social media, cyber bullying. What would you uninvent? It's a fascinating question because it reveals where we spend our time and how we wish that we didn't. The person who said crown molding, well, they have spent the last few days painting their entire home. And I'm sure they thought crown molding was as great as the next person until about day three painting, you know, with that blue painter's tape and still getting paint on the wall and the ceiling and the floor. The person who said the Keurig machine, well, they said so because for them, there is a real ritual in making coffee. It's a way to slow down and mark time in the day to appreciate the coffee when it's done instead of, you know, just chugging it down and on autopilot making the next cup. I wonder how often inventors regret inventing something. I know the inventor of the Keurig has had some remorse for the amount of waste it creates. He's even spent some time inventing reusable Keurig cups so, that, so as to lessen the impact of his invention. Creating, innovating, it, it's a gift that God gives us. We get to create with God. We get to experiment and try new things, all of which adds joy to our lives and to God's. And yet, as with everything... There's a shadow side, not in the product per se, but in our use of the product, our relationship with it, our attachment to it. We can pour too much energy into things that do not breathe. Habakkuk, up until this point in the scripture, has directed all of his lament toward God. But here, he shifts to us. He gives us a warning. There are five woes in the book of Habakkuk, five warnings. The first is woe to the aggressors. 
Then woe to those who covet other people's stuff or who build up wealth for themselves. Then woe to those who are violent and woe to those who take advantage of other humans. And then we pick up reading the fifth woe. Woe to those who worship anything but God. Habakkuk says we must be careful not to attend to idols. We must be careful not to attach ourselves to things that do not breathe. We must be able to let go of the things that cannot teach us. Habakkuk is preparing us. He's preparing us so that in times of danger, we muster up all of our focus and place it on God. The Lord, he says, is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Now is the time, Habakkuk says. Now is the time to listen for God's voice. Now is the time to let go of any distractions. Now is the time God is teaching us. Listen for the breath. I have a really hard time with what comes next in the book of Habakkuk. The Babylonian Empire, their enemies, rise up against God's people and destroy their homeland. There's lots of violence. Lots of lives are lost. And it is, it is hard for me to see God in that kind of destruction. And yet Habakkuk tells us God is there. He directs us all to God's breath. Look for where God is teaching us. Look for where humans are relying on God, holding on to hope. Look for people helping each other through the turmoil. Look for what is being rebuilt, even in the midst of the destruction. Look for the creativity, the new life emerging. Look and listen for God's breath teaching us. And it isn't the new creation of the new product that we worship. It is God's very presence with us. It's that regenerative spirit of God, the resiliency, the resurrection, the solidarity among humans who know, we know we need a Savior to get us through. And we will be with him on the other side so long as we can fix our attention to God alone, so long as we can worship God alone so long as we look for who is breathing new life, the God, God, our God, who is teaching us. In my household, we have gotten really into this show, Ted Lasso. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, it's about an American football coach, Ted, who is hired to coach a premier football team in Britain. Now, football in Britain means something different than football in America. Football in Britain is soccer, which Ted Lasso knows nothing about. It's a comedy. And Ted's lack of knowledge for the game creates this uphill battle for him as he gets to work with his players. And the players don't respect him. The fans don't respect him. The reporters don't respect him. His boss doesn't even respect him, though Ted doesn't know it yet. And you think you're watching this 
disaster unfold, which somehow is hilarious when it is not your life. And over time of watching the show, you just get pulled into the character development. In particular, this coach, Ted Lasso, who is somehow able to win over even the most skeptical of players by helping them realize that winning the game isn't the ultimate goal. With one player in particular who is the star player and a narcissist, he's got this big head because he's often the player that that scores all of the goals. Even in a tight game, he can pull through a win for the team seemingly by playing by himself. Ted Lasso teaches this player that he's got to value his teammates, that he's got to pass the ball and not take all of the shots for the team. And we watch this player grow as a person. And then for the inexperienced player, Ted can see how this player's mistakes on the field are crippling his ability to get up. It's crippling his mental health. He stumbles with the ball, and then he has a hard time making another play, especially when the team is ridiculing him and saying that he's let them down. So Ted takes this player to the side to talk to him about goldfish. Goldfish. He asks the player, who in this world has the shortest memory? It's a goldfish. So he says to the player, be a goldfish. We watch as this player rises in confidence and resilience, even against the toughest odds. And then finally, there's this player who is a legend in the Premier League, and he is aging out of the game. He's just not as fast as he used to be. And Ted teaches him that there is more to life than the game. There's more of his identity to discover and love about himself. And we watch as this player grows in his personhood, always loving the game, but not being defined by it. Not fully. In each character development, Ted is looking beyond the game to be one and is teaching the players how to better themselves and the team. In each moment, he is paying attention to that which can breathe. And as a result, these players, they're finding fulfillment in life. They're finding a deeper understanding of themselves. They're finding joy. Ted sees what no other character can see, that winning the game has become the idol. It's what is worshipped. It's what consumes all of their energy and time, and it has a way of turning us against each other and even against ourselves. Ted teaches more than he wins. I don't know about you, but I have found myself in this time being hyper-focused on goals, things that I can achieve right now. I look for the mile markers that will alleviate my stress. And though accomplishing these goals certainly makes me feel good, like a win on a premier football field, I know, I know from reading Habakkuk that I've got to look for the teacher. My goals cannot breathe. 
They cannot be held onto. They cannot protect me from any danger coming my way. God breathes. God is what we hold on to. God protects us. And so we've got to be sure that we are spending our time listening to God who breathes. God who is teaching us now. And I know it's challenging, but I wonder if in real time we can be attentive to our teacher What are we learning today? Or from the last 10 months, what what are we learning? Listen. Listen for the one who breathes. And let go of everything that does not. Amen.
Hey, Don. Hey, Lucas. Thank you for a really great message um, on our third week of Habakkuk. I just have never read Habakkuk in that way, and I just appreciate your insight for us today. Yeah, I'm curious, Lucas, how many churches and preachers have uh, preached Habakkuk for four Sundays in a row. We might be in a very small... <laughs> we um, might be. Maybe maybe it's just we're crazy, but, you know, I think There's Habakkuk, a lot there for us. Habakkuk deserves... Um, Our attention. ...his day. Yes. Um, so I got a couple questions. First is, um, where did you... How did you land on breath? I know it's in the scripture, but it comes up over and over again in your message, and it really sat with me, this idea of breathing and looking for God's breath um, and looking for the breath all around us. Hmm. So um, I think every time I preach a sermon on idolatry, I am preaching to myself because I tend to get all in a like worry about things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Or not that things that don't matter, but... Um, I lose sight of the things that matter the most, which tend to be the thing, the people that have breath around me and not necessarily, um, you know, the brick and mortar or bill or news article or, you know, whatever it is that's like ratcheting up the worry within me. Um, I really liked this kind of litmus test of does whatever this is have breath Mm. and then helping that be a guide of, okay, well, maybe I let that go then. Maybe I don't spin and worry so much around something that um, that doesn't breathe. I, I, yeah, I like the the Hebrew. I'm going to geek out for a second. Are you ready? You can yeah. go there with me. You're talking about Ruach? Yes, yeah. Ruach. <laughs> so um, some people don't know this about me. I almost dropped out of seminary because I fell so deeply in love with the Hebrew language. Like I almost decided to go become a rabbi. Did you know this? You told me once, but yeah, that's yes. I I mean, I was like, I was really into it because I think it's just so beautiful. And then I remembered how much I love Jesus, so I'm here. It but, balances out. Yes, but ruach, like it means God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, breath, and wind. And I really, I love first of all that Hebrew language opens things up. Um, but I I don't know. I'm just I was thinking about that like creative energy of God breathing new life and how that's really where we need to put our focus is on the breath. So maybe it just jumped off the page. That was a really long-winded way of saying, I just really like that one part of the scripture. You said it was long-winded? My answer. Long, long breath. Oh, wow. Long breath. But, um, um, long breath. That might not be a word. But yeah, no, I agree. I, I think of God's breath um, like in the poetic narrative of creation of God breathing into the Adam, of God giving life into the first human being and um, how all things that have breath come from God, mm-hmm. whether that's us, whether that's an animal or just like there's and even plants in a way breathe in through photosynthesis. And it's just, it's really something that connects us all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, and it, it just reminds us what we should, uh, I think, prioritize. Um, and I'm really bad at idolizing things, idolizing goals. I really sat with that in this sermon, and um, yeah, I'm just grateful for your word. It's it's a sermon that I needed to hear. Well, and, and this hadn't struck me until just this moment, but thinking about um, the challenges of those struggling with the virus, obviously it affects people in different ways, but one of the scariest things I've heard 
um, from people in our congregation who have experienced it is this difficulty with breathing. And particularly if you already have asthma or a collapsed lung or something else, it you just, we don't realize how much we take for granted being able to inhale and exhale. And it is our lifeblood, you know? Mm. It's kind of how we um, control so much too. I remember I did yoga a little bit when I was in seminary and one of my yoga teachers would I go, learned something new about you every day, <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> it was like me, it was me and like all middle-aged women in this yoga class. And I was just acting a fool, didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> but it was great. And our yoga teacher would go into women's prisons and teach yoga. Mm. And she would really focus on breathing exercises because mm. she would realize that these women in prison like didn't have a mat. They didn't have access all the time to do yoga, but they had always had access to their breath. Mm. And if, um, and sometimes even when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm overwhelmed, there are certain breathing exercises that can really lower your heart rate and just mm-hmm. reorient ourselves to this thing that we're doing all the time. Right. That is an incredibly holy practice, but right. you just go through the day not thinking about how many times we breathe. Yeah. Um, so... Lots to take away. I'm going to keep thinking about this sermon for a while. Um, And with that, we're going to come to a time of prayer. Um, And today's prayer comes from St. Clement of Rome. Um, And Clement was one of the leaders of the early church immediately following the deaths of Peter and Paul near the end of the first century. Um, And Clement is known for... Do you know much about Clement, Don? Of Alexandria? Uh, St. Clement of Rome. Nope, different one. Yeah, there's probably a lot of them. I had to look it up, but... Um, it's interesting because I read his letter to the Corinthians, which is one that's not included in the Bible, um, but he's talking about getting mad at them for idolatry. He's mm-hmm. basically like similar things that Paul was addressing of idolatry, of jealousy, of power. Um, and I thought his prayer um, some 2,000 years later still rings pretty true. Mm-hmm. So let's pray to God together. We beg you, Lord, to help and defend us. Deliver the oppressed. Have compassion on the despised. Raise the fallen. Reveal yourself to the needy. Heal the sick. Bring back those who have strayed from you. Feed the hungry. Lift up the weak. Remove the prisoner's chains. May we all come to know that you are God alone, that Jesus is your son that we are people, the sheep of your pasture. And hear us now as we pray together the prayer your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
And now for the benediction. Listen for the one who breathes. And as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of the Holy Spirit be with you. And with all those you love, and with all those nobody loves, go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Becca Smith and Cody Hoover. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. All the World by Tedeschi Trucks. And Away in a Manger by William James Kirkpatrick. Music covered under the license CCS 11209. Scripture is quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.